Our trade mission in Mexico continues on and uh, we've got another founder journey for you. This one's a special one because it's Local Adventures, one of our own Launch Academy companies in Guadalajara, Mexico. They are a travel tech company that uh, had to navigate COVID just like every other travel company around the world. But these guys had a very different twist to how they approached it and they've been doing well. Welcome to another episode of Founder Journeys by Launch Ventures. Uh, really great episode today because we're here in Guadalajara, Mexico. We're continuing our road trip, our trade mission in Mexico. But the guests are actual Launch Academy companies. This is a company that we've been working with since 2019, Local Adventures. Uh, they're part of our startup visa program, part of our Maple program, transitioning to uh, expanding into North into Canada through uh, the startup visa program. But you guys have been on fire. Like the travel industry prior to 2019 was on fire. You guys were doing amazing. Then everything turned into a dumpster fire with COVID. So we're gonna start to go around and introduce yourselves, but tell us about Local Adventures, the journey prior to 2019, and then how you addressed the issues that we saw coming about for not just travel, but all tech companies with uh, COVID hitting. Right, so. yeah, sure. So first, welcome. Thank you. So, so glad to have you guys here. Guadalajara, we call it the land of tequila since we produce tequila all around the city. <laughs> so yeah, um, it, it's nice to have you here. Uh, I'm Daniel, I'm CEO and co-founder of Local Adventures. I'll give you a quick intro about us and then they can continue presenting themselves. Yep. Uh, what we do basically is we want to make the trip of your life we want to do it the easiest way you can. So basically, we're the platform to book the trip and of your life. Uh, how we do that? We select local operators around the world. Mm -hmm. We make them go through a vetting process, and then we add certain facilities for you to book with them. Uh, so basically, th that's what we do. We're the, the bridge between Latin American, mostly Latin American consumers, travelers, and local operators around the world. And when you talk about local operators, Moses, you can answer this as well, but like you're talking about uh, people with experience in that market that are actually like chaperoning you on these adventures. So it's not just, hey, here, I sell kayaks, go go for a, a sail or, or, or down the river. They're part of the experience and they're helping cultivate this experience. So it's not just travel booking. These are real experiences, yeah. correct? I'm going to pass it to Sebastian because that's the right <laughs> guy to do it. <laughs> Well, uh, thanks to come to here to Guadalajara, uh, Ray. Well, uh, the local operator is not a matter of maybe the size. Maybe it can be like a local guide or it can be like a small company all over the world. It's a matter of the, qu the quality that, that the experience uh, they can give to the final customer, right? Yeah. So uh, we validate like a, with a whole process certain specs and features that they must have as a certification of the activities, mm -hmm. a culture experience of the site, like all, all the, that you, all that things that you mentioned, like, so as soon as we check all that uh, checklist that we, we have as a mandatory, they are able to start like uh, creating new experiences with us. Uh, well, we work with them like, the, um, very deeply to, to prepare like a real experience with the final customer, right? Mm -hmm. so, so in the years that you've been doing this, what's probably the coolest adventure that you've seen? 
Oh, well, I'm a uh, real active, active uh, guy, so, well, we have uh, one trek in Peru. Everybody knows Peru because Machu Picchu, Machu Picchu and all that stuff. Yeah. But in, the, in that trek, you, you can, like, uh, sleep under the stars, like, putting a tent, and you can uh, sleep in, into a crystal dome. And uh, it's a mix of uh, certain unknown activities yeah. with the final sweet spot that is Machu Picchu. So I like to, to walk a lot and make uh, hiking and trekking. So this is, for me, one of the... So that's really cool, because 99% of people will go to whatever travel sites, see the package solution, yeah. and that's just basically trek up Machu Picchu, have some food, uh, go back down. This is something that is an amazing experience, but not many people know about. And yeah. yeah, that's, that's cool. cool. And every country in the world have some, some, some special experiences like that, I think. Cool. And Moses, introduce us about yourself, well, what, what you're Moses doing. Moses Vera, I'm the city of Local Adventures. And essentially what I want to tell about Local Adventures is that we are creating like really serious technology about prediction of, for example, prices in flight, so we are uh, introducing to our customers VMPL solutions, where uh, in Latin America we have like great problems about buying like um, really expensive goods. And I mean, the Latin American uh, people, they really don't have the cash just to pay it. So we are offering great trips around great cities, great uh, destinations where they just give us like a real small deposit and they are just paying us uh, small amounts of uh, deposits just to accomplish their trips. Mm -hmm. And this is not just for the trips where they can take treks, etc., etc. They can uh, purchase with us something like uh, flights, uh, insurances, etc., etc. So Local Adventures is about solutions for those Latin American guys that really want to take unforgettable trips. And on the surface, it looks like a Typical travel tech company, but I know because I've been working with you guys behind the surface, there's a lot of data, a lot of uh, algorithms and, and machine learning that you're putting together to really build a, a future-proof business. We'll get into that in a, in a bit, uh, but I just want the audience to know that it's not just, hey, a nice little travel company. This is a, this is a robust tech company. There's like a big tech stack behind what you're building. Yeah, it's not easy to see it. It's obviously like uh, the the main product that the customer is seeing is just like the experience, right? Yeah. Because they just they don't, that's all they care about. They don't give <laughs> a shit about what's what's happening <laughs> behind the scenes. Oh, and... I'm gonna buy an algorithm. No, they are not going to buy an algorithm or something like that. Yeah. But yes, uh, behind the scenes, it's happening everything about like data, right? Like we are collecting lots of data about flights, our trips, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So we are improving our. Uh, selection of destinations we are improving our prices in flights etc etc but uh, yeah as you were saying we have robust technology about it to give personal personal trips to our customers yeah and obviously the everybody around the world knows 2020 covid hit first thing to die is the travel industry right and so you guys are travel business what was that feeling how did you uh persevere and and uh, what's been the outcome? Right. Well, I think the first feeling that everyone had uh, when the pandemic started, it was fear, of course, like fear, because we didn't know like for how long this was going to last. I mean, travel basically shut down for a couple of months totally in terms of zero bookings, uh, every, everyone canceling like their flights, their packages, their experiences. 
So it was a lot of fear and uncertainty at the same time. Because yes, we have a as a startup certain limited resources that we need to stretch for a certain time frame. But if we don't really know for a new pandemic, a new virus, how long that's gonna that's gonna last, mm -hmm. the decisions we have to take in that moment are uh, very difficult to take, right? So the first decision we took, uh, and it was a very difficult one. Which which month is this? Like it was April May. It, it was March, March, March 2020. Yeah, March. March. 20, yeah. The beginning for us was in March. In March. Yeah. yeah, in March. Uh, so seems like ten years now. Ten years ago now, <laughs> after no, everything yeah, we've been through. March. Yeah, 2020. Yeah, it feels like ten years ago. But uh, the first decision it was very hard to take because it was kind of a decision against what our investors were thinking, mm -hmm. and it was like to keep the team and like to try to basically not cut, not cut uh, headcount and continue trying to sell and to do some marketing about, about travel. And it was like contrary to what everything was happening in the travel industry. Mm -hmm. But we took that decision based on a lot of research and because we had to talk to a lot of customers. and. It wasn't just because we thought, and it, it wasn't just a hunch. Yeah, right? it's not a gut reaction. Right, but, right, right. And a little bit of context. So at March 2020, you guys are venture-backed. Um, what, was, what was the headcount at that point before COVID? Right, it was, it was around 30 people, I think. 30 people? Okay. Yes. And so continue. So you made the decision. Right, so, so the first thing we made is, okay, we're going to keep our people, and we have to let them know we're keeping them. Uh, but if we're keeping them, everyone has to work very, very hard to try to continue growing the business because we knew that with the cash we had in the bank, it wasn't enough to keep all of the team without generating any more revenue, yeah. right? So what we did is basically we did a very deep analysis in terms of travel is not going to stop in the following years, right? Everyone's scared now, but we know that sometimes people are going to start to travel again. So what we have to do now in order to make them feel comfortable about booking, even if they travel in two years, right? Mm -hmm. So after this deep analysis, we saw things as complete flexibility, better deals this year than the ones they're going to have uh, maybe next year. or So, or so you're taking pre-booking. So. Right, right. Yeah. So how many pre-bookings we have to take? And... The result was was basically that we were able to grow 80% during the first year of the pandemic versus uh, 2019. And that's, that was because of that flexibility and that other BNPL solutions and a mix of everything. But basically it was just talking to our customer and talking to that traveler that w was able and was eager to book even if he was planning to go two years uh, from from the date they booked. The date right? they booked. Yeah, so so it, it, it was it was really tough. I, I'm telling you this because it resulted all right, but right. Yeah. But, we are here. Yeah, we are. Yeah, you're still here, and you're, <laughs> you guys are thriving. But yeah. but making those decisions at that point in time, it's like your hair probably as gray as mine. If yeah. <laughs> right, <laughs> and if right. everyone around you is telling you it's like the wrong way to go, it's it's it it was just a decision we took and. We were eager to go down with that decision mm -hmm. if 
that didn't work out uh, it, and it worked right because a lot a lot of the other travel companies they stopped marketing they uh, could headcount so yeah. basically they did the other uh, type of strategies we were not doing and what happened is that there were a lot of people well that was not getting any kind of offers mm -hmm. any kind of marketing any kind of attention from any travel company right yeah. so it was it wasn't like the, the a, a big percentage of the industry but that little percentage that was willing to book came to the you risk because there was nobody it, else offering right, it right yeah right. So, so because everybody else contracted yeah, right and you guys yeah. are still marketing you still you do. Marketing. yeah so even if 80% of the population said, I'm not going to travel, there's still 20% that I want to travel. I'm not, I'm not willing to Maybe do it now, but I'll pre-book and, or I'll do a staycation and I'll stay in Mexico and I'll go right. to uh, a, a location and also five hours from my house. Yeah, the local to. operators, since they are kind of small, they're not like the very big size local operators. Uh, they also want some like pre-bookings. They need yeah. like to leave, they need... To, they have small businesses, right? So they were able to give very good deals in order to receive some cash mm -hmm. for them to keep the business. So we just translated that benefits to the customer and that resulted in booking. Yeah, that's another area that I didn't really wrap my head around until just said that. Like you also were, were a lifeline for all those small operators. Like right. they, their business dried up and they probably didn't have enough as it is to really survive through a year. And now to have that contraction, uh, but to have local adventures still there to do pre-bookings, probably save people's lives. Right, right, and and they are operators from Canada, from Turkey, from Egypt, uh, from and some of them had borders closed for a long time, yeah. so for eighteen months, for twelve months. So it was very important for them, at least, to have money to feed their families. Right? Yeah, yeah. No, that's that's amazing. And so, what's the state of local adventures now? Like. We're now in uh, February 2022, no. two year, almost two years later. How are you guys doing? Yeah, I'll, I'll give just a couple of metrics and then you guys can, can continue. Uh, right now, we're over 50 people in headcount. I mean, you're in our headquarters. Yeah. Uh, we have people in Mexico City, in Colombia, in Peru. We have opened our company in Canada. We're looking to expand our team to make some really serious R&D uh, projects in terms of uh, price prediction and BNPL solutions for B2C and B2B verticals. So that's, that's some of the metrics. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, yeah, essentially from my side, uh, we really want to do it really well in terms of algorithms and AI because I, we think that the company and the startup has that that real power in terms of competitive uh, business mm -hmm. against every single other competitor. So it's like just doing it well and really well in terms of having a great team here or Canada or in Peru or in Colombia because now it's like we are like in engineering, we are like really open to home offices, that, that kind of thing. So we are looking for engineers, that engineers, that the scientists, et cetera, et cetera, and really do it well in terms of algorithms and AI. Cool. Sebastian, maybe you can touch on what is this sentiment within the staff here? Because you guys kept headcount, you grew headcount, a decision that was probably very tough, but now you've got 50 people 
uh, working with you, but also what's the sentiment with the channel partners that you work with, the operators? Uh, okay. Well, uh, first, uh, right now I'm hundred percent sure that it was like the better decision to keep the team, because you say it. Now uh, we have the original team plus we grow it, right? Yeah. So that put us on the best position. Like we are ready for the reborn of the travel. So right now everybody's like, okay, um, all the population is getting vaccines. All the borders are. Uh, they're, they're calling it and all that stuff. They're calling it revenge travel, right? Yeah, it's yeah. so much pent up demand and, and interest to go and, and so do we something. Have, we have the team, and not just the team. We have like a very commitment team because all the past, and I think uh, that decision just put us in the in the best position. And you guys have revenue. You've got uh, strong partners. Like, what's the sentiment with the partners? Like, even with the partners, like. Uh, they ha they are total confident with us. They they trust uh, trust uh, with us because we weren't say okay see you in two years like yeah. uh, as uh, you guys were there when they needed yeah, you so yeah. so I think we we built like a strong really strong community travel community and well we 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 are here we are ready and. Uh, Let's let's see rock and roll, in, right? In like year, yeah. open up the borders, open <laughs> up the uh, the airport. Let's let's get going. Yeah, um, Moses, I want to jump to you. So you guys are part of our Maple program uh, expansion into Canada. I really want to emphasize it's not relocation; it's expansion. You right. guys are now a global business. You need international headquarters and operations. Why Canada? What what is it that appeals to you about Canada and what, what are your what's your vision for the Canadian division of uh, well since local uh, we were checking uh, the details about for example Lounge Academy we were seeing we that Vancouver was a great um, hub of AI and, and engineering and that kind of thing so from our perspective was a great opportunity to, to apply and see that that could be an opportunity to grow and as mm -hmm. you were saying expansion right so right now we are looking to do some R&D things in Canada. So it looks like uh, the government is really supporting those kind of companies that really want to grow in terms of R&D, in terms of AI, in terms of uh, uh, blockchain and that kind of things. Because those are really new uh, technologies, but the environment in Vancouver looks like they are ready mm -hmm. and they have the capacity to teach us and we have the capacity to learn from those, those from that people so we can make it in Canada because it looks like the people is just ready there. Yeah, the network, the peer group. Exactly, exactly. I, I'm really happy that you said blockchain because we talked earlier and, and everybody else is really excited about blockchain. You're on the fence. You're trying to see what's the actual practical applications in your business for the blockchain type of technology. But uh, uh, I'm happy to see that you're willing to explore it. Yeah, exactly. Because they are new technologies and we have to learn what's happening there, right? Like yeah. if we really don't know anything about it, those things are just growing, right? Like yeah. NFTs. Web three, etc. Just distribution, the distributed things, etc., etc. They just are growing, and if a startup and a company is just not learning about it, they are just going to get it in the past. Yeah. Awesome. Um, so, part of founder journeys is is the journey of the founders and, and getting to where you are today. We've already talked about the big issue of COVID and right, having to address right. that. But you guys are all first time founders. And there are ups and downs to every founder journey. Is there something, a story or something that you want to share with our audience just to help people realize like this is, it's a hard journey and there's things that 
um, are, are realities that maybe a lot of people don't talk about? Right, I, I think every founder has a lot of struggles, but one story that it's uh, pretty interesting that I, I like to mention is that when we started, uh, yes, we were working in companies here in Mexico, just like a mutual employee. Then we decided to quit, but we knew that we needed support from someone because we were first time entrepreneurs, right? So we decided to go to the US to an incubator, like our first time living in the US, going yeah. through a program. Uh, I'm talking five years ago, so it was kind of new and in Mexico, there weren't a lot of things happening, right? In terms of startups. Uh, so we went to the US, we got into this incubation program. We got uh, 30K for the incubation program that was meant to be used in housing or like... Yeah, cost of, cover like the cost of living. And, for and, six months, right? Yeah. But instead of using that for housing, we decided to spend all of the money in marketing. So we kind of, uh, we were able to grow the business, but then we were homeless, right? <laughs> so what, what we did basically, because- In a couch. <laughs> because we, yeah, we're not like from- uh, So you weren't on the street, you, you, guys, you guys crashed somewhere, you yeah, couch surfed. Yeah. So we couch surfed with one guy for six months in his living room. It, this is not like, I'm not, exaggerating things or anything. He's a very good friend now. But we basically searched in couch surfing for this guy. He was, he was eager to let us live in his living room for 15 days and then we just keep like- He kept extending. <laughs> extending the, yeah. And we were there like for six months, the three of us, not even just one. And also something really funny is that, uh, so we, we got some office space in the incubator and we were trying to stay as long as we can every day, like 15 hours a day. Just we don't, so because we you wouldn't. Don't, you, you don't want to arrive to a couch, right? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and also because there were happenings, these kind of networking events yeah. and yeah. happy hours, and that was free food and free drinks, right? Yeah. So it was just basically a very hard six months, but also something that we learned from that is to bootstrap and also like to be willing to take that kind of struggles with, with the founding team as a founders, right? And to share that kind of pain. So it, it was really good. That definitely like gels you guys even yeah. more. Either, it could have gone either way. Either you guys hate each other, living on a couch together and, and you don't want to work together anymore, or it brings you even closer together because you have that experience. Well, we, we hated each other <laughs> <laughs> enough times, but we kept them together. So yeah, it, 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 was, it was one of... Uh, very good stories. Uh, and we, we both bikes. We were riding 10 kilometers daily, for example, in the morning, at night, etc., etc. So it was really fun. Fun. And where, where in the U.S. was it? In Dallas. Dallas, Dallas Texas. Dallas, yeah. Texas. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Great beer. <laughs> Great beer. Good barbecue. <laughs> yeah, totally. Um, that's awesome. Yeah, like again, there, there's lots of stories. Like we actually had somebody at Launch Academy. We actually had a shower there, and so <laughs> so, so, he, so he so he didn't have to leave. So he we I come in. It's like 
wow, he's really dedicated. So early, he's always here. He works so late. <laughs> Maybe they turns out that uh, he, was <laughs> he was sleeping living there. there. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and now he's a venture fund and he's oh. investing in companies. He's done really well. well. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, the, these are the things. Like, if you're really committed to your business and your startup, there's, there's things that you have to sacrifice and, and do. It's easier when you're young. You guys had wives and kids. That's not going to happen. Right. But, but when you're young, you can dedicate yourself to that degree. Right, right. Yes. Now, and what I think it's also very important, it's like to acknowledge because a lot of the founders and ourselves, you, you can kind of uh, feel very lonely on like during a bad situation. Like we were, there, there were days when we had like one week of cash left, right? Mm -hmm. So we were thinking of, are we closing this or what's, what's going to be the next decision because uh, there's like the music is stopping. So it's very easy to feel that you're the only ones like going through that kind of path. Yeah. But there, basically every founder does. So it's, it's just also a matter of trying to open yourself and maybe talk to a fellow founder or a mentor. And that, that helped us a lot too. It was hard, but when you tell a mentor what's happening, they just give you like, like, oh my, come on, friend. <laughs> yeah. That's going to happen a thousand times. Yeah. This is yeah. your, just your just the beginning. One. Yeah. yeah. I, I always say misery loves company. So no yeah. entrepreneur knows the pain of another entrepreneur better than the entrepreneur, right? right. So, right. Right. so these things happen and uh, uh, you just have to kind of roll with the punches. Um, <laughs> that's a good, great story. Uh, I want to end this off with tell me about Guadalajara. What's the magic here? Like, I'm seeing so many different entrepreneurs, so different startups. There, there's some really happening here. There's, it's like the, the start of something really special. So why are you still passionate about Guadalajara? What should our audience know about uh, the tech scene here, the Actually, type of startups here? they are from Guadalajara. I'm not from Guadalajara. I'm from Puebla, for example. Okay. And I saw six years ago, no, eight years ago, that something was happening here because many companies, many tech companies uh, were being created here mm -hmm. and it was like, mm, something's happening there, something's happening there. And I was like really bored in, in Puebla because we don't have that capacity in Puebla. It's, it's, it's not really good and, and I hate it to, to say it, but Guadalajara has that, like they really are growing in terms of community. Uh, be, uh, before COVID, for example, we were having lots of meetings about networking with tech companies, with big companies like HP, IBM, Oracle, etc., etc., mm -hmm. and small ones like Quesky, uh, Bill Pocket, Local Ventures, etc., etc. And it was really great because the community is just telling telling stories like this one, and it's just like, okay, I'm with the founder that just raised this capital fund, and it's like crazy because. I want to reach that goal and right now I'm here, but I want to get that because that guy is like me. It's not mm -hmm. like pretty different. I can do it. So well, Ahar has a really great com uh, community and we are having more and more founders because those old companies, startup companies, now they are, they, they were having those employees that now they are creating new companies. So it's really nice what is happening here. That's awesome. They have a very aspirational environment around you. Yeah, nice. But from what I'm hearing, very accessible. A lot of the, the entrepreneurs know each other. There, there's a lot of camaraderie, a lot of peer support, uh, especially during COVID. Everybody needed that mental support and help. Right. It sounds like it's, it's a very, very solid, committed community here. Yeah, you always have a friend here yeah. Yeah, to listen to. <laughs> right. I, I mean, it's also becoming more relevant, like even... Uh, 
you're here, Lunch Academy is here. Yeah. Um, so for me, it's, it's what has happened in other regions of, of, of the world, uh, in Canada and the US uh, mostly, where you have these first time entrepreneurs are, are becoming bigger and bigger, or some of them having exits that are reaching to smaller ones and they're just creating this circle of value creation. I, I don't want to say like just company creation, value creation and the employees of that entrepreneurs, they learn how to grow a company and they also became entrepreneurs. And you have like these company mafias where the first 10 uh, employees then become 10 founders yeah. and it's, it's just a domino a cycle, effect, right? Yeah. So it's basically what has happened already in more developed markets, but we can replicate it here. So that, that's pretty interesting and you can see it. Yeah, from my opinion, I see Guadalajara where Vancouver was about 10, 15 years ago. Like we see where Vancouver is now in 2021, we had 14 unicorns in that one year alone in just Vancouver. Uh, and so this is the trajectory. This is what I saw in Vancouver 15 years ago. The camaraderie, the, 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 the ecosystem starting to come together. A lot of first time founders finding some success. But then as you get into that second, third, fourth startup, that's when it really starts to elevate and right. you're on that path. So this right. is awesome. That's, that's the idea, right? <laughs> and local adventures is going to be that anchor that everybody looks at. And as you said about aspirational, yeah. everybody's going to want to be like local adventures now. I've already heard that multiple times. It's oh yeah, local adventures. They're, they're doing really well. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean we're we're very committed to to get to that point. But also at the same at the same time, I think it's if we want to get to that point, we're in a very connected world. So that's why we have to think beyond Guadalajara, beyond Mexico. We have to think of the U.S. We have to think of Canada, Colombia, Peru. It's like if we just try to replicate what has happened but just in Guadalajara we're not getting there right yeah. so that's why we want to be very global and uh, very different in terms of regions not just to stay in one right yeah and that's a mentality of experienced entrepreneurs it's really refreshing and impressive to see it coming out of you guys at such a young age that you're thinking global right from the beginning right right yeah awesome this has been a great conversation yeah. So excited to have connected with you guys in person in Guadalajara. Next time's going to be back in Vancouver because you guys are getting your work thank permits. You. You're going to be there soon. Uh, thanks, guys. It's been a great conversation. No, thank you. Uh, everyone's welcome here in Guadalajara. In Mexico City, you should come here at least one time to see what's happening. And yeah, we're eager to be in uh, Vancouver and get to know the startup community and everyone there. Yeah, I highly recommend if... if People are looking at Latin America as a market that they want to enter. Mexico as a stepping stone is the path. And if it's a startup space, Guadalajara. You got to come to Guadalajara to be uh, able to catapult yourself into Latin America. Yeah, almost nobody is in Latin America. So it's a real opportuni opportunity as a market. So mm -hmm. just think about it. And you're welcome anytime. Yeah, discretionary income is growing. The, the, the desire to absorb tech is growing. And so uh, it's a huge untapped market. Yep. Totally. Awesome. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Awesome.